Hey gamers, ad break time. First, I want to remind you all that I now have a Patreon. If you want to support the show, visit patreon.com slash beyondsolitaire. I'd really appreciate it. Second, Beyond Solitaire is proudly sponsored by Central Michigan University's Center for Learning Through Games and Simulations. Right now, their second game, Rising Waters, is live on Kickstarter. If you'd like to play a peer-reviewed historical game and support a press trying to make more of them, definitely check it out. The campaign link is in the show notes. Thanks, and let's get on with the show. Hey, Gamers, this is Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire, and I'm here on the pod this week with a very special guest. I've got Jim Dietz. He's the chairman of the board of the Dietz Foundation, which sounds very fancy indeed. How are you doing tonight, Jim? I'm, I'm, life is always interesting. I'm actually pretty good. I'm pretty good. <laughs> Fantastic. So tell us, what is the Dietz Foundation? You're Jim Dietz, so you should be the person to tell us that. Yeah. Well, no, that's true, because when, when you start something and you name it after yourself, you better be able to explain it. Um <laughs> The, the Dietz Foundation is the world's only not, not, not nonprofit. There are a lot of nonprofitable game companies. We're intentionally a not-for-profit game company so that we are set up that when we make money in however we make it, that our funds and our profits go towards helping education so that we will do stuff like purchase games and books for um, schools with that lack financing. Um, we've purchased clothes for a university college of education so that underprivileged students who don't have interview suits can actually have interview suits and, and show up for job interviews looking professional. Uh, we've donated playground equipment and the goal in the long run is to have enough money to start endowing scholarships first for um, kids who want to become teachers to help uh, offset the cost of college and then second to also help current teachers learn how to use non-traditional means like games in the in the classroom and that's kind of the plan for what we do and i get to claim the title of like president and chairman of the board um, but to keep me in line, we have a uh, seven, per, me plus six others, we have six, uh, six other people on the board of directors, and those rotate through and they make sure that what I'm doing fits within the stated mission of the foundation. Um, in terms of stuff, we make our, we, we make money two different ways. One is by the sale of the games that we produce. And with that, some of that money goes back into producing more games because you kind of have to keep the, the, the pump primed. Um, we also take donations. And when we get donations, it's actually been put in our corporate bylaws that anybody that donates money directly to us, that money will never go towards game production, paying salaries or anything else. All donations always go directly to the cause. Um, so that once you take out the 3% PayPal fee, that's 97% of a donation goes where it's supposed to. And that's a lot more than the 50 or 60% you get from most, you know, charitable organizations. So that's, that's, that's kind of what we do. Oh man, that's, this is right up my alley. Uh, I am a teacher and I know that you have been as well. So how did you go from teacher to chairman of the board? Like what kind of life path leads a person here? Uh, kind of like this. So, um, I started off when I went to college, I wanted to work for the government. Government doesn't pay well. So I decided I wanted to be a lawyer. 
my dad died, I got involved with lawyers and I realized lawyers, Shakespeare had the right idea with lawyers. Um, and it, most of them, I don't want to be that. I, I have ethics, I have integrity and that didn't fit with me. So I decided I want to go teach college and be a professor. And then I realized that to be a professor means not caring about your students or teaching and only focusing on your research. So I wound up um, that way becoming a teacher at the junior college level and then the high school level and then back to junior college. Um, along the way, um, kind of had a lark with a couple friends and we purchased a retail store and opened a small chain of game stores. And while doing that, designed a game and took it to distributors at that point. And they said, well, you have to have more than one game. Well, now you got to have more than one game. And once you have more than one game, you have to have continuing releases. And that became Jolly Roger Games. And Jolly Roger was around until the summer of 2015 when um, I sold it to Ultra Pro International. I went to work for Ultra Pro for about three years. And um, I, I do have to say that the, the people who run Ultra Pro and the owners of Ultra Pro um, are really good human beings. Um, I, I, I don't work for them anymore, but I, I stay in touch. They, they're, they're, they're good people. Um, anyway, so after that, um, I, I was just coaching, uh, coaching college. And um, with my athletes, kids complain all the time. And what I would always tell them is, don't complain, be part of the solution. And along the way with this, I found that I was doing a lot of complaining and I wasn't doing much solving or much help. And that's kind of hypocritical. And so in the summer of 2019, um, started the formation of the foundation. I realized that there is nothing like this. There is no game company dedicated to helping others. It's, um, it's always about the bottom line. I do love capitalism. Just for anybody listening, I do love capitalism. That's all good. Um, so one day while I was driving, yeah, I, I was driving somewhere, I, I started doing mental gymnastics on the amount of money made by certain big time games, Settlers of Catan, um, Ticket to Ride, Carcassonne. And I realized that with the profits that have been made with Settlers of Catan over the past, since it's released, what, 25 years now ish? It's been a while. 25. Yeah. Yeah, the, those profits, I could have donated that and made college free for every kid in the state of Kansas in perpetuity with just one mega hit. So if I could start a company again with just smaller hit, and I started, well, I don't have a Settlers of Catan. So I, I started looking at the money I made off of the Jolly Roger edition of Kremlin and realized I could have made college free for four kids. I could have endowed four scholarships with that money. Well, if I do a bunch of small, smaller hits, because small company, if I produce 10 games and each one can make college free for four kids forever, I've helped 40 kids a year going forward the next hundred years. And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. And so that's kind of the path to get here. Um, that it just became, I wanted to run a game company again. I don't like working. I love the ultra pro people. 
I prefer working for myself. Um, and so I, I started it up again. And I, 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 while we're here, the ultra pro people have been great um, about it. The other thing the foundation does is um, I've solicited game companies if they want to send me games. And then I will distribute those to schools and community organizations, educational groups. And, and ultra pro just completely knocked it out of the park because um, their ownership is really about this. They, they sent me about $20,000 worth of games um, that were suitable for uh, junior high, elementary school and high school. And um, those games, they're all gone. They're all out in schools and everything. So give a big shout out to uh, the, the uh, person in charge there. That was Jay Quo um, that, that, that did that. So that's the foundation. Oh, that's awesome. So you've got sort of a two-pronged approach. One is kind of encouraging more interesting pedagogy in the classroom. And then one is selling games for education and profits. Right. <laughs> but and, it's and not... Of course, with games, you know, the other thing with the games, it makes it sound like, oh, he's just selling the games to, to roll in the dough, you know, and um, feed that drug habit in my uh, weekly vacations to Baja. Um, but ultimately, the games, games are also educational as well and useful in, in education. And not just for history, I, I, I think people miss everything of value in games. that you, you don't think about it. It's not natural. The social interaction, skills like negotiation, math skills, um, spatial distance stuff. Um, sure, the history and all that, the geography. But there's a lot of skill that goes into stuff like, I have sheep, do you have wood? And then trying to figure out the optimal balance on trade stuff. And I, I think, random one, because he's, he, he's a great guy. Alan Moon, if you look at his games, it always comes down to the, the question of the traveling salesman and the efficient route in, in that one, you're always one step short of that. It makes for great games. But nobody really realizes that there's actual theory behind that. So, uh, yeah, games games are a great way to learn about everything. So is that something that you discovered during your time in the classroom? Or is it something that you came to later? Like, what? how does your life as a, as a teacher line up with what you are promoting now? Um, it actually started when I was a student because the teachers I had in high school sucked. Just outright brutal. Um, and I, I don't think it's a good thing when you're like 14 or 15 years old and, and you come to the realization, I know more about this than the person teaching me thinks they do. And, um, you know, that by that point I was into, to board games, a lot of, a lot of history stuff. And, um, it just kind of went from there when, when I was an undergraduate in college, I had a professor, it was political science 306. It uh, was a specific class on how to use games and simulations in the classroom. And he didn't really use a lot of um, commercial board games. He used academic ones. And, and they, they, were, they were fascinating. Um, I still have a couple on my bookshelf. Town simulator called Camelot, where you assume the role of somebody in town. And how it proceeds is very organic. You never know how it's going to proceed. Um, had one that, um, the president is kidnapped, uh, while in Central America taken hostage. What do you do? And you go through it because it's time sensitive. Like every minute represents the passage of six hours. 
But in the end, after you do this, he shows you it's all just this flow chart. It's just a decision tree. And so I found that very intriguing. And because I had so many crappy teachers in high school, I, it, it dawned on me, you've got, to, you've got to keep kids engaged. And the more fun kids have, the more they want to learn, the more they're intrigued. And, or, or if they have questions, they need ways to answer them that aren't just the teacher blasting info at them. So I always looked for things that would make kids go, well, that's funny. Is he telling me the truth? I better look that up and, um, and, th and things like that, or leave him going, well, why is that? And following that little three-year-old in you, it's like, well, why, 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 why is the sun hot? Why is the sun bright dead? Because it's like an atomic reaction. Why? Because it's made up of hydrogen and helium. Why? Because, you know, you follow that track and, till the three-year-old exhaustion, you just say, because it's all made of green cheese. Um, but, but I think that's important with education. Um, in games, who doesn't like a game? I, I, I mean, when you, oh, I, I can read two chapters in a textbook or play a game? Yeah, I'm playing a game every time. Um, so that's, that, that's kind of how it all worked together. Um, yeah, and I do agree with you. I think especially now with students in this day and age, I, I really believe that even if we don't all label, label ourselves that way, everybody is a gamer. I don't know anybody who doesn't play something, even if it's just pool through their little texts on the <coughs> iPhone or something. Everybody plays games. And um, yeah, so I, I really enjoy games in my classroom. And uh, I, I, I appreciate this mission. So uh, what kinds of uh, coaching have you been offering to educators so far as part of your foundation's work? Um, most, mostly it's through just like resources and suggesting. Haven't had a lot of teachers actually ask, hey, you know, how do I do this? It, it, I don't want to call it depressing. It's, it's a lot of times, I think it's getting the word that the foundation's out there to help. And, and I think the timing of the foundation with the way the world went was not perfect because of COVID. And with the way education went once, once everything shut down, the teachers having to figure out for themselves how to use technology and adapt online lesson plans and do a lot of this other stuff hasn't left a lot of time for normalcy. And then you get angry parents uh, at school boards, half of them angry that you're going back to school, half angry that you would consider remote, half angry you're wearing masks, half angry you're not wearing masks. I, I think teachers are really overburdened right now. And so they, it's not that teachers aren't interested in learning new ways to teach or to try, try and get through to kids. I totally think teachers want to do that. There's not a teacher in this world that doesn't want to get through to every kid in their classroom. But right now they're, they're, they're just trying to keep mouth and nose above water with, with all sorts of stuff being thrown at them. Um, and I, I think, I, I think that's a problem for, for educators and that's more than a little old foundation can help. That's, that's something that's got to be dealt with um, by elections and governments, which is beyond the scope of what the foundation is supposed to do. So 
we got we got to avoid the politics there. Five hundred one C three can't be doing that. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, those those of us teachers who are still on the ground are doing our best, and uh, I'm actually hoping to do a reacting game in my class this year. So we're out there. Uh, that's probably one of the reasons the podcast is here, actually. So if you're a teacher out there listening, this is this is for you. It's um this is the first year I've coached high school in like 20 years, and one of the things that I I knew that the seniors are the only group of kids in high school who previously had a normal year. Yes. Nobody else has had a normal year. So it's as if a lot of the kids, you have three quarters of your kids behind the eight ball. They're, they're trying to learn how to be normal or yeah. have a normal year. They're and under-socialized. <laughs> yeah. And I also think the other issue, since we're talking education, I, I, I really think that um, kids, kids are probably a year behind where they should be cognitively. And I, I, I don't necessarily mean that in terms of the book learning and all that stuff. I, <laughs> I, I mean, just some of the, um, the, social, the socialization that you get from being in school with friends and people you don't like, the face-to-face -face interaction. Um, the emotional development that 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 year of sitting at home with a computer screen and your teacher on the screen there's there's no there's no tact it, it's so impersonal to to interact with it, it, it's really rough you need to be able to throw the paper airplane across the room um you, you know, you, you need to poke the, the kid next to you and have him go, what? And then they get in trouble for talking. This is, this is part of being a kid. And, and too, too many kids have missed that. I, I think before we talk about more games and stuff, I, I think we're looking at at least another three years of this being rough on teachers and kids be, because at a minimum, because I, I think that the, the group that's currently like in, seventh through ninth grade, sixth through eighth grade. A lot of those kids were left at home as nine and 10 year olds all day because parents are working and they didn't have somebody to take care of them. I don't want to call them feral, but it, but it's almost, you have 10, 11 and 12 year olds who were given complete independence and don't have the maturity to use that independence properly. And I think that's going to be a massive task for junior high and high school teachers to deal with the rest of this decade. Yeah. And where I'm glad that I'm already into games and I'm trying to get more of them in my classroom stat is that the other thing that's been rough about these last few years is that we've tried to give students a lot of breaks because we understood there were extenuating circumstances that kids were undergoing trauma at home, that the world is not the way it should be, and that they're not necessarily you know, emotionally prepared to be students the way that we would normally expect. But that's also led to kids expecting to catch a break all the time. So I've got a lot of kids this year. This is the closest thing to normal year that we've had since the pandemic started. And they are still acting like we're in a pandemic. Like maybe final exams will get canceled again this year. Oh, maybe, you know, I'll get, you know, I'll give my students a million <coughs> to redo everything. But, you know, we are in a situation where you know, students are really trying to keep coasting like they're still looking at me through Zoom and not like we're in a classroom doing class. Oh, you're going to let me get away with this. You're going to let me get away with it. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. Uh, I'm 
there, I know a couple of the area schools here are, you, you've got kids chafing against, what do you mean I can't just go to the bathroom when I want? What do you mean I'm limited to three trips, you know, three passes a day rather than, what, what do you mean I'm in trouble for showing up to class three minutes late? Yeah. And, and, that, and, and I guess for anybody listening, these aren't bad kids. These, no. these are not bad kids doing this by any means. Like, you know, it's just they haven't had this for three years. So there's no sense of routine. Yeah. And I'm very loose about the Like, I actually do think we're ridiculous about teenagers and their rights to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's absurd. But, um, you know, you also get the kid who goes to the bathroom and just come back for 20, 30 minutes. So, you know, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> Yeah, and um, one one of the schools I know, I'll even they they installed a pass system since all the kids have their Chromebooks. Teacher, if you go up and ask, teacher types in their code, and then it notifies basically all teachers in the school. The principal's got the full list. You've got seven minutes to get back to that classroom from from the time you did it, um, to prevent things like vaping and everything else that you could do in there um, that goes on. Another school has already had. Speaking of those young kids, they've already had to take the doors off the um, the uh, restroom toilets in the boys' room because of vaping and uh, kids hanging out. Uh, the old Brownsville station smoking in the boys' room. Oh, God. Smoking in the boys' room. Yeah. <laughs> you should provide the YouTube link for that so that everybody can enjoy the real version of that song. Indeed. Um, hey, you know, kids are going to be kids. Uh, but yeah, the, the, honestly, the only thing I find you can't, the thing is you can control where kids' bodies are. Although I have lots of issues with how we do that and our attitudes about that. I'm very pro as much independence as possible for kids, but you can never make them learn. They only learn because they want it. And those, there's two ways to do that, that have to both be there. One is they have to respect you. They have to like the teacher. I know students who will do everything in the world for a teacher they like and nothing for a teacher they do not like. And it's just the truth. And then you have to engage them. And, you know, even if they love you to death, if you're not offering them something interesting, they're gone. They're gone. And so. Um, I, I don't disagree. And, and I think adults listening to this, you're going to think back to your favorite teacher in high school. And at the time, it was basically the one that you liked, but they didn't. But it was an easy grade. And you get 25 years down the road and it's the one you change who you like and it's now the one that you realize was treating you almost like an adult and was actually i'm gonna call it pushing you um and i, I guess this is kind of like with your independence comment i, I I'll, I'll sort of kind of disagree in a direction um the best athletic director i ever worked for was a guy named matt hensley and it, he's an administrator it's all good um his comment was always kids want discipline they want to be regimented and given organization. Just be aware they're going to fight it the entire way, even though it's what's good for them and it's what they really want because they're teenagers. And, and I, I think that's also true. I'm, I'm so glad to not be 13 or 14 anymore. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> that was you a know, bad time. Like, oh, I, you know, I used to, when I used to teach psychology, we would talk about adolescent development, and it's like, you know, what, what, what's, what's the best time? You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, I could stay in high school forever. I like high school. I'm like, yeah, college is going to be better. No, high school is great. I'm like, okay, that's all good. But now let's take a vote. How many of you would ever want to go back and repeat seventh grade? 
all the years teaching that, not a single hand. Nobody wants to go through that again. No. Um, Emotionally, you're all over the place. You know, oh. you don't, yeah, just your body, your brain, everything's just wrong. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's confusing as crap. I don't want to, and that was bad enough in the 80s. In 2022, with the internet available and everything, oh my God, it's amazing kids are as well adjusted as kids actually are. Yeah. I mean, the uh, kids are pretty all right. Like, I really rolled a good, some good stats this year in my classes. My kids are very sweet. Even the ones who, uh, you know, I know I'm going to have to watch them a little bit on the work. I've got good kids this year. Just you can't say you're going to need to edit that. Liz, you're going to need to edit that out because you know one of those kids is going to come across this, this and go, oh, yeah, I'm a good kid. I'm a good kid. Now I, now I can pull crap. That's, that's going to happen. Nah, no, I honestly, honestly, I really do. I would, I would tell them to their face. I'm not worried about it at all, but back to games. So, okay. So part of what you do is games in the classroom, um, or that's maybe a future thing as we kind of get back in here as schools, but then you're also publishing games. And I'm very interested in your catalog because is the DC foundation committed to making games that are educational or games to sell for education? Because I'm seeing 1979 revolution in Iran. Uh, actually, uh, Dan Bullock has, will have been on this podcast by the time this episode airs. Uh, I see free at last. So Damon Stone and Ted Torgerson came on and talked about that game earlier. Uh, Sebastian Bay has been talking about littoral commander, which looks amazing. So is the point of this foundation to produce educational games as well? I think you asked about me being committed and I, I think I have to say, no, they've still let me out and uh, I'm still okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, the, the idea, educational is a very broad mandate um, that it's nice. I can take in whatever direction I want. Um, so if it's a game that involves 30 dice and who can count quickest, totally. That's, that's great. That counts as educational. Cause that's, that's sixth grade math, fifth grade math. Um, kind of like I mentioned with um, Ticket to Ride and, and that stuff. I, there's Education can be wide and varied. But I also think it can be by the subject matter. And with, with some of that, like, um, I'm going to put one asterisk here, and that's that first game. Um, Three Years of War is meant to be, make the, to be fun and miserable at the same time and maybe get you to look up the 30 years war to see just how crappy it was and why this game where everybody loses is fun and, and realistic. But I had promised the designer Jay Little because I had accepted that as Jolly Roger. And then one of the people at Ultra Pro who's no longer there basically said, this game sucks. We're not doing it. You need to tell him we're not doing this. So I had to tell that to Jay and, um, Rightfully, Jay was a little upset because there was a contract in place. And what I told Jay at the time is not my decision, but I promise if I ever start a game company up again, you are the first person I'm contacting. And summer, summer of 19 there, I said, hey, Jay, do you remember what I told you? He's like, about what? I said, three years of war. And he's like, you're starting a company? It's like, yes. So that, that was important because it's also a fun game. I've never seen anybody have a bad time playing it. Um, supercharged. Is, is a little bit about history because it's set in the 1920s for car racing. It's meant to be family oriented, but it's also really about, we'll call it counting since the cars move certain number of spaces and probability for like, when is, when is a card going to come through? 
so while still showing what a realistic race is. Plays in 30 or 40 minutes. Great. 1979 is a is also educational. It's it's a subject that Americans are ignorant on completely. Um, other than Ayatollah Bad, uh, hostages were taken and they've got nukes. But they didn't have nukes at the time. They had the Shah and all this stuff. And so when when I talked with Dan about it, he um he showed it to me on tabletop simulator and he's like, Well, what do you think? I mean, I was like, Well, you had me sold about like three minutes in because I'd already read the rules and all that. And I just thought it was brilliant because what I really liked in terms of the history of it and the teaching of it. Americans are taught that the United States drives all events in the world. We won World War II. Well, no, we didn't. There are 20 million Russian dead that suggest that it's the Russians who played the larger role in defeating Nazi Germany. Okay. You know, so that sort of stuff. So like Iran bad, Iran bad, United States good. And 1979 really shows that this is an this is internal Iranian politics that the United States is there and kind of helping, but it suggests is the United States driving events or is the United States being manipulated as much as anything else? And I think it's important, like, and then you see the names and if you pay attention to modern politics, like, well, that name sounds familiar. So you go Googling, it's like, that's the son of this, this cleric. And that becomes interesting to me too. And, um, Dan, Dan's research on it was just insane. Uh, it, it, it was a ton of research. And um, he got really excited when I told him, you know, as part of all this, take your notes and what you did. We're, we're putting a history book in here so that if you buy the game, there's he's, there's like a 10-page, I could go look it up. It's just sitting over there. Like a 10-page history of Iran from 1950 through 1979 that, Okay, you don't need to take that class in college. That that 10 pages plus the looking at the cards in the game, you've got a semester class right there. Except it only takes you to three hours to play the game. Um, and what's what's been what's been interesting has been who's been buying it and just actually got an order from the Mideast from, from a company that took cases of it because they had heard it presents a an objective history of that time period that it wasn't either the ayatollah bad or or shaw good or us good or anything else like that that it actually tried to show the real history of it and so i i you know when the people that are in that area think this has value i i i'm good with that so so that was 1979 um people really should buy it yeah i want to pop in right here so i I'm no believer in objective history, although we do our best. Um, are there criteria? So you mentioned not wanting to get political. Dan is quite political in his personal life and some of the other games that he does, which uh, you can listen to the other person. We had a real hoot. Um, <laughs> but um, what are the limitations that you have set on yourself through the foundation for like what kinds of games you can take you know are there certain criteria a game has to meet is it very very flexible i always wonder about these things so i'm just going to take this moment to ask um fl flexible um 
but with the one thing um which leads to to after the last sun Sobe Yusuf's game coming oh, up after the last sky oh I said sun again yeah no I it's he knows this I keep jacking up sun and sky it's driving me nuts <laughs> it, you know it's like you get that earworm or it, it's like trying to spell it like stationary or like there's certain words you struggle with yes oh. <laughs> Sobe I'm really sorry for that but you know that I make that mistake every freaking time I'm sorry. I love you. Um, so, um, yeah, I think where the foundation can come in and ga- other game companies choose not to is on certain topics like Palestinian-Israeli relations. Um, I know Sobi talked to at least one game, one other game company, and um, I'm aware because it was in a semi-private forum where i'm part and it was like you can't get this game published you know because it's going to upset people okay i i'm interested right there when you say you can't publish this because it's going to upset people that means somebody's going to have to think when they look at this and that was part of what intrigued me with it and their logic was if i produce a game that is anti-israeli i do have to mention politics I am going to offend those on the right on the right wing side of the political spectrum. They are our bread and butter. Therefore, we're not touching this because we want we don't want to offend our customers. That uh, sounds weird. I'm not worried about offending my customers. I want them to engage with the material because in the, in this regard, th- this beyond the fact that it's a freaking brilliant game, games allow you to come to terms with topics that you may have strong opinions on and show you a different way. So you may be gung-ho, you know, pro-Israeli, but after you play this and see, it's like, well, there's a point here in terms of, is it right to send the military in against civilian protesters? Would I accept that if the U.S. Army went into Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, to quell a protest demanding the right to vote. No, I wouldn't. Oh, but I do accept it here. Or likewise, you know, wow, I've never really thought about the stress on Israeli soldiers when they're being told, shoot people. And those people they're being told to shoot are actually women and children. And I I think that's important too. And here, if you if you're afraid of people of other political views, you can purchase the game, take it to your home, and work with it, and read it, and look at it, and think about it in the safety of your home, where you don't have to be confrontational. Education doesn't require teacher and student. Sometimes you can just learn a lot from you interacting with the game, and and so I think that's an important thing that this is going to permit people in the safety of their own home, in, in, in their happy place, to examine a topic that they may not know as much about as they think they do, and it may change perspectives. If it doesn't change perspective, that I'm okay with that too, because now they're, they're more informed. Now I can have a better discussion with that person where we're sharing similar f- similar frames of reference. And I think that's important for for the big picture. 
It also helps that it's a really good game and, and that makes a difference as well. So, but, but that's kind of the logic behind things. I, um, I was told I shouldn't do something on civil rights because that's not going to be a good game. It's like, well, certainly educational. And clearly you haven't played this because Ted and Damon's work is fracking amazing. Um, and again, you can take this into your home. Oh, you know, so-and-so Southerners never did any of this stuff. Hey, read the history book we're including. Play through this. Look at the cards. See what these people actually did. And that may show you, wow, that the, this, this is... They, they talk about World War II veterans being the greatest generation. But for Black America, for African Americans, that's the greatest generation. And then you see what they went through, how, what it takes to win the, in this case, win the game. You got to cooperate, but you got to compete. The game is, is out to get you between law enforcement and society. How are you going to do this? And then to find out that all of these cards all happened, that nothing in this game is made up. And then you can refer to the history books we put in and writing the history books was both inspiring and one of the more depressing things I have ever done in my life um, to see um, some of the stuff that was overcome and people to continue fighting for what they believed in is astounding to then see the stories of like the floor and this again will border on politics but Florida doesn't want history addressed in their classroom like with civil rights there is a reason that's because a Florida sheriff in like 1962 was acquitted of shooting a black man who was handcuffed he was acquitted because they couldn't identify which of the 300 bullets in the man was the sheriff's 300 bullets in a single person. This, this is history that should not be hidden. This is, this is part of American history. The, 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 or the motel owner that did not like blacks and whites swimming together, so he threw, he threw battery acid into the pool. Oh. Um, yeah. There's, there's um, uh, the name has escaped me because long day. There is, but but it's it's not just the big name people. There is a um, there's a gentleman. I thought he was from South Carolina. Um, he wasn't overly smart, wasn't wealthy, but he went to all these civil rights events. And what he did was he would look for where the police were hitting women or potentially key members of the movement leaders, and then he would go and he would provoke the cop to hit him instead. So wow. he would basically take beatings. So that the important people could could not be hit. Um, that was interesting, and and so we've put all this in there with all these people, and it's just it's it's just, it's this book of heroes, and it's history of a lot of bad stuff um, going on, and we're at risk since that is now 60, 55 to sixty years ago. That generation is coming to an end. And at that point, we lose our connection to it in history. And at that point, it's only going to be in books or videos that you get it. Or in this case, a board game. 
Um, yeah. And I, I think that's I think that's important. This this provides an interactive experience with with a, an absolutely important moment in American history. That's awesome. Yeah, it's such a shame that you have to like say that edges on political too, because like facts are like things that really happened and that we have evidence for and like primary sources those things should not be political that's what belongs to everybody and i, I, I think mentioned that that simply awesome. because of florida yeah. and their whole law thing so so i um i was also going to ask so you're doing all these really intense historical topics and i think that's really exciting personally i'm 100 here for this in in games um you're also a nonprofit that's doing stuff on kickstarter and crowdfunding so i guess that leads to two questions right so you're willing to confront these really difficult questions but you're crowdfunding and like does that present complications and then also how does your company fit into kind of board game media as it works now because that's also a very kind of okay. Let's profit. Let's hit the first area. question. Yeah, Kickstarter and crowdfunding has been important for the standpoint that that provides. Um, when I put it on there, my goal is always set to what's the pro- cost of production plus the cost of shipping, because to me that's what Kickstarter is about. It's not supposed to be a pre-order system like generating millions of dollars. I just want enough to get the game to market and let retailers and wholesale do the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard um, free at last. I, I, I received quite a few messages um, unhappy with the game um, and across the political spectrum. Um, there was um, JFC. It is pathetic that a game country, a game company would uh, try and submit people to the woke propaganda of the left. You are pathetic. Okay. Um, and then on the other side, I looked you up. You're a white male. You have no business talking about civil rights because only blacks can talk about civil rights. So all of those Border detainees that happen to be brown, they don't care about civil rights. The fact that you don't know uh, my relatives, their religions, their backgrounds, the adoptees involved, I don't have a say. Civil rights are for everybody. Um, so it, it, it crossed the spectrum on that. But I also got two really spectacular messages one was from the son-in-law of one of the women in the game. Um, I think it was because it's two sisters. I think it's the son-in-law of Priscilla Stevens, who's on the card. She was she was one of those. Uh, the co- I think she's the most arrested woman in Florida history, actually. Um, that he's getting. He's like, oh my god, you know, my mother-in-law's in the game. If she was alive, she would have thought this um, was great. Priscilla, yeah, Priscilla, Priscilla Stevens, do. She marries, she marries a guy named Dew. Remember that. Um, so he ordered it. And then um, about two months ago through email, heard from somebody else that he wanted to know if he could purchase a copy, but have it sent someplace else. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, great. He's like, Do you, will it be out by the end of the year? Well, I'd hope to have it this summer, but welcome to supply chain. Um, and I asked, you know, why does it need to be by the end of the year? Oh, 
it's because I'm purchasing it for my grandfather because he's in the game um, on one of your Mississippi cards. And he's excited to see this because he was afraid that everything they did had been forgotten. And I was like, oh, we have to get this game out. So he sees this uh, because he's like 97, 98 years old. Oh, I am going, if, if, if something has happened to that man between that email and now I'm, I'm going to be pissed um, because I want, when, when I've got it noted, when the games arrive here, hopefully in about six weeks, that is, that's, that's copy number one going out the door right there. Um, so that's yeah. awesome. So yeah, it's it's um it's it's interesting the comments, and I suspect that this was just a warm up for a Sobe's game, because I have a feeling I'm going to hear some more. Um. Yes, and for those of you out there, this is after the last sky, which is about the first intifada. I'm quite excited about it. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna hear that I'm an anti semite. I'm I'm sure, and that I'm anti Israeli. Um. But again. The game is trying to be relatively balanced in a portrayal as it educates things. Um, so we'll see how that goes. It'll all be good. It'll all be yeah, good. It'll work out. It'll work out. Uh, and then uh, I guess, yeah, the other question I had was uh, how does a nonprofit participate in kind of like the board game marketing machine? Because most Kickstarters have previews and a lot of previews are paid. Mine aren't, but a lot are. That's very common in this industry. I'm looking at this Kickstarter page and like, are there any previews for no for free at last? Like, did um, you get any? Nope. Um, nope. Uh and, and mostly mostly it's because we're still I'm I'm still working on the original Kickstarter model of here's what we're trying to do. Your money is going. I have no artwork sometimes or minimal artwork because your money coming in is paying for the artwork. Um, and so doing thousand dollar videos and demos, if, if I put in some of the money that some of these companies did, if, if I had that money, am I better off spending the money on a production demo, 20 copies for people rushing them over from factory or from game craft or whatever, doing the video, or maybe I should just save that 3000, $4,000 and endow a scholarship. Um, because I'm not convinced that putting all the whirly gigs on there with special effects and music and, and all that is going to convince people with free at last with any of these games, you're either interested or you're not. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, no amount of bells and whistles and prettiness is going to change that. And so what I try and rely on is People see it, you know, I, I mentioned on social media and all that, and they come and then it becomes word of mouth. And so some of the backers still remember me from Jolly Roger. They, they know that I try and communicate and keep everybody up to date. I don't hide anything. So like all the Kickstarter backers, they've already had two emails that talk about delayed in production. It's like, this is where it is. But with like 1979, I was like, yeah, we're going to run a month behind. And then people, you can't be running a month behind. Game Company X said nothing's coming out for a year. Like, I'm telling you the shipper, one of the three biggest in the world, says I'll have it in 30 days. And then I got it. And they're like, oh, I guess you're right. I'm like, I, I, I'm not lying to anybody. If I <laughs> lie to somebody, I, I, I'm hurting the foundation. So I'm, 
it sounds weird. Some of this is I'm forced to stay on the straight and narrow, kind of a tangent, because if I screw something up, I'm hurting kids. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do that. So, you know, no, I stay on the straight and narrow. But so I, I don't, I, I just simply rely on word of mouth. And I, I think that's worked. And when I put out a different product or get the next one ready, I do put an update on the past ones or send it to the emails of past backers. Um, but that's that's really about it. Um, with Littoral Commander, I didn't even do that. It, it was it was pre-orderable on the website, but because of what it is and its target audience, it did not need Kickstarter or anything. And I'm opposed to using Kickstarter as a pre-order system. Somebody's like, well, are you going to wait to put on Kickstarter? You could rack in the money. It's like, I don't need that money to get it produced. I'm not putting it on Kickstarter. This can work separately. Um, and so, so I did. And, you know, Lator there, there will be supplements to Littoral Commander. None of those are going on Kickstarter. They'll just go straight through the foundation website. So that leads me to one more question. And I, I actually, I really respect that you're super transparent about your business model. I like that you're doing your thing because I feel like it's this is really interesting to listen to in a world that's very Kickstarter-y. So if if racking in the bucks is part of the purpose because you're going to endow scholarships, why not? Why not just try to rack in all the bucks? Um, because I think when you focus on money, you lose sight of the big picture. And when you focus on bringing in that much money, I, I think I, I think it's possible. You, you see with regular corporations, you can grow too fast and then things implode. And I think it is, I, I, I've, I'm actually conservative just in the real sense of the word. So yeah, so I tend to take things slow and steady um, in terms of business. If I never sell a copy of Free at Last other than the pre-orders and Littoral Commander, the foundation will still exist. It will still have money to do its work. There is no speculation. And not just that, I'll have enough money to pay the designers their full royalties. So I, I, I try not to um, go too fast to overdo that. So I don't focus on the money. It's it's really about the mission with it. And if that means I've got to go slow at the start to make sure I get things right, then I go, go slow at the start. If, if all of a sudden free at last sells 10,000 copies and I can go big. Okay, great. But at that point, I still don't actually have that much money because 10,000 copies of free at last is going to give me about $200,000 if that would happen. And roughly about 30 days after I have that $200,000, it's going out of the checkbook. It's going to schools. So as a nonprofit, I, I knew when I founded it, I am always going to be without money. That's kind of the nature of it. If I want to do this right. Um, so I don't pay myself a ton or anything. It's, it's really... And for those curious, I'm actually paying myself $3.50 an hour, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm racking in the bucks doing this. Um, <laughs> so it, it's, it's really one of those that I, are, I already know that the minute that um, I get the money, it's going out the door for a good cause. So that 
I will, the foundation will perpetually be in, hey, Kickstarter, can you help fund this game mode? Hey, can you send us donations? And that's kind of the way it is. And I, I don't like asking for donations. I don't like begging for them, but it kind of comes with the territory. Um, at, at which point, actually, Liz, if I can add, people think, oh, I don't have that much money to donate. Um, for if somebody, we can take like recurring donations, like you send like $5 per PayPal per month. That's actually enough to pay for the book rental for a, ki a kid in college for a semester. So right there, you doing $5 a month, I, I, can, I can get a kid books for free for their college for a semester, just with $5 a month from one person. It's, um, you can do a lot of stuff with just a smidge of money. Um, a, another company that um, I was able to get about $150 of donations from people in March. And I contacted a company called the Choose Company. And Choose, people are like, I don't know what that is. They're the books that you read when you were in like sixth and seventh grade, the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in return for me being willing to pay for shipping those books to schools and teachers, they provided the books. So I got donations from a few people that, that totaled the payment. And, and we got like 300, 400 books out to, to schools with reading specialists in classrooms where they haven't purchased new books for third and fourth graders in years. All in a couple hundred dollars. So, and, and that's because I know people. Yeah, you know how it goes. You know, you know people and that happens. <laughs> you know, I, know I know people. So yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of where the foundation is with money. It's um that also explains why you're willing to take some very serious risks in terms of subject matter for the games. Profit doesn't matter. Profit doesn't it's matter in profit. that regard. Um the the pro well no profit matters, but there's so many ways to judge that, and it's not financial. Mm. Getting topics out there. The, the, um one game that I, I I'm not upset. It's a catastrophe games um, is doing a game called, oh, um, I going to call it Stonehenge. Stonewall. Stonewall. Yeah, with Taylor. Yeah. I, you know, that game needs to be out there because that's a point in history that's significant for, for a large number of people that nobody knows about other than, oh, it's some sort of gay riot. Well, no, there's more to it. Um, now, with Taylor, I'll also tell you, he's got a different design he's been working on on um, gay soldiers from the um, city, the Greek city-state of Thebes. Yes, the sacred band. So he's actually been on this podcast about both of those. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you what, because I, 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 I've, I've sent him messages on Twitter. You know, I saw that design. And okay, I think Stonewall is a good game. That, that that's all good. I think his design for the Theban band game is really good as a game in, in the mechanics of it. I think he's really, I think he's really got a really good game system there on top of a subject nobody knows. Um, so I, I reached out to tell him, I, man, I think this is just kind of cool. So, and I got to, I got to talk with him at Origins and everything. So, um, so I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad Stonewall's out there. Um, yeah. A bunch of people are like, what sort of Confederate game is that? It's like, no, <laughs> not Stonewall Jackson. You know, a, a, a more thrilling Stonewall, indeed. I'm very excited to play that one too. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm very excited about the the future of the Dees Foundation. I mean, I, I basically interviewed you because I interviewed a bunch of people that you're publishing. Uh, so I'll ask you kind of a softball as we come to the close, which is uh, what are you playing for fun right now? I mean, we're all here because we're gamers. So what's what's bringing you some joy? Um, okay. <laughs> this will sound weird. When, when COVID hit, I mean, I'd been coaching and everything shut down. So stuck here in the house with my wife. And my wife has never truly been a gamer, but that's not the way her family was brought up. So we started playing some games and um, over the years, she's learned to like Settlers and um, you, you, the, the gateway games, but she's also found that she's like, like Dominion. Well, what happened is we had a conversation that her, ge her geographic knowledge is Zipsky. And she had, she had never played a war game before. Because, like, well, you know, too much history. I'm like, it's, let's do this as a learning experience. So let's work our way through complications of stuff. So we played um, the old GDW. It's been a house divided. Roll a D6. That's how many stacks you get to move to teach her the Civil War. And she's like, oh, well, I kind of get, wow, I didn't realize the armies weren't all over the place. Okay. From there, we played victory games of Civil War, which is a little more complicated with leaders and all that. And she's like, until you actually see this, you don't, she's like, the union economy, I mean, the South really gets strangled. It's like, exactly. And that's the entire blockade. So, so it's the educational side of stuff. And she's like, I didn't realize the attrition factor of how, how this is really just about grinding the other side down. Great. So we did that. Um, we, we've, um, we explored the East Front. We played Russian campaign which is actually still a really good game 50 years down the road. She didn't like that because it's too many counters. She said it's too much to keep track of and, and it's mathy. Okay. Okay. So then, so then we played um, Columbia games East front with the blocks. She liked the blocks because the number tells you how many dice to roll and it looks very pretty with the blocks moving back and forth. Cool. So we keep exploring. And so then we um, we did uh, World War One with uh, Paths of Glory. And once she had only ever played Founding Fathers as a card driven game and kind of liked that and um, actually liked it a lot. We're going to get back to that. So then we um, with my oldest son, because he's around here, um, she finally decided she would wanted to try something big. So last spring actually this spring we actually set up the european theater and we played world in flames Ooh. Uh, an actual war game where, with with hers the russians on and so we finished that and um i stomped the world as the axis um because the british navy was incompetent that's all good um so we did that and now we flipped it and now we're doing the pacific because all she knows about the Pacific War was Pearl Harbor and the atom bombs. And World in Flames is really good. It shows you China and India and everything else. And, you know, someone she's like, oh, now I see, because politics isn't her thing, now I, now I see why Taiwan is an issue and a key issue because of where it is. Oh, now I see why Okinawa is an important base today. Mm -hmm. or the stuff in the philippines so it's it's kind of helped and it's also a chance to just sit with with our oldest son when he's around and and just talk and we talk history and we explain some stuff so that's what's actually on the table 
Now, along with that, um, we've got a different table. So that we've also been playing. She loves um, Elder Sign. Ooh, okay. Because Richard Lonius is a great human being. You should get him. He, he's just wonderful to talk to. He's a great friend. And um, Eldritch Horror. We, we've, we've been playing those. Um, so... Yeah, that's 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 the gaming. Uh, it, it slows down in the fall since I'm coaching and uh, I'm I'm away most evenings. Which anybody listening to this, Liz had to call me like 15 minutes before. I was like, oh crap, that's right. There's an interview tonight. Oh my god, because I've just gotten home. So it's like I I completely space that off because it's nighttime in the fall during volleyball season. And um, yeah, I just whiffed on it. So. Uh, hey, we're about to hit October slope season for teachers too. So yeah, this is this is a, a very special time of the year. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then so. um, just you know, look up the Deeds Foundation. But where can you be found online, and how do you like to be reached? Um, the, the foundation website is just www.deedsfoundation.org. And if you're actually looking at this while you're listening to it, I spell out Deeds Foundation in my name. So just put it all one word, .org. Um, if you're on Twitter, the foundation's there. I believe the foundation Twitter is Foundation Deets rather than Deets Foundation because some losers already took Deets Foundation, stole my name. I don't know who you are, but, but I'm probably related to you. Um, <laughs> and um, then on Facebook, the foundation has, has a page there. You... Um, I prefer Twitter and by email if you're contacting me. Um, you know, we go from there. I would also should say that um, I won't reveal what they are. We we act, there are actually some good good games coming up, and I found a couple designers with games that will be really good in the classroom. And um, one's going to be on the French Revolution, and uh, got one about dinosaurs and one about sharks. Oh my gosh, my inner child is so happy. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, they're 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 pretty spiffy. So I'm I'm looking forward to those. Some of that's on hold while I wait for the supply chain with um, free at last, and then Littoral Commander when it goes, and then some of the money coming in is going to pay for those. Um, is is ooh tomorrow September? So I should hear back from an artist on the shark game. The artist I'm talking to at the moment is French. They're on vacation because it's August in Europe. And so that that if if that works out, that one may show up on like GameFound in the relatively new future. So fantastic. I'll be looking forward to it. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know out there I can be found anywhere online as Beyond Solitaire. Jim, thank you so much for coming on. This is an awesome conversation. I'm just really excited about what you'll what you'll do. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be on. You ever need somebody to come back and rant? You know, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Uh, if I'm here as the foundation, I can't talk politics. Now, if you said I'm just talking to Jim Dietz. Oh, th- yeah. Then then we can have a different. Then there we can have a different conversation, ma'am. Yes. Sir. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, this is, this has been great. I, I love spreading the word. I want to try and help teachers. I want gamers to learn and, by having fun. That's life's too short to not learn something new every day and have fun every day. And that is the perfect uh, thoughts in that, I would say. So those of you who are out there, please like, subscribe, comment, ask questions, and most of all, happy gaming.